along to Summer Bays, the unofficial home and away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavner, where I discuss the trials and many tribulations of Australia's most beloved surfer town, Summer Bay. Each week I do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas our characters find themselves in, like, are you in love with a murderer? Or how stupid you have to be to drink drive? Ugh. Get ready to feel closer each day to home and away. Now, before we get into things, I just want to share that this is a no-spoiler podcast. We don't go online or check ahead to see what's coming up in the episodes. Don't even watch those little next time on Home and Away clips that are very tempting to watch. But if you resist, I can promise you it's totally worth it. It just really adds to the whole experience, you know. If you want to get in touch, it's at Summer Bays Podcast on Instagram or just email summerbayspodcast at gmail.com. Kicking, kicking things off this week with the Paradas, who foolishly, foolishly, foolishly thought that by giving the drug dealers slash local thugs slash Leon and the boys Max Porsche, all would be well and all would be solved. Needless to say, they're getting extremely blackmailed into doing this armed robbery. And in fairness, like, they set them up so good. So Leon and the boys have photos of Ariantane doing this, their last job. They've got the reg plates. It seems to have been the drug dealer's plan from day one to set them up like this. Very clever, I must say. And at the end of the day, they still get a Porsche out of it. You can see how smug they were because when Mac was handing them over the Porsche, they were just like, Ma, we're gonna, <laughs> we still have these guys wrapped around our fingers. So she gave it away for nothing which I'm sure she's going to be super annoyed when she, I'm sure, eventually finds out. But things have certainly ramped up a notch because whatever about moving... Look, I'm no policeman, but whatever about moving stolen goods or being kind of a drug mule, I'm pretty sure armed robbery comes with a way heftier price tag. So I really don't know what they're going to do. And I know I've said in previous episodes that Ari has kind of jumped back into this life of crime very quickly. It's He's very different to the Ari that first arrived in the Bay, who was super grumpy and grouchy and on everyone's cases and very anti-crime or getting in with the bad crowds or whatever. So I don't know, was this whole heart-to-heart that he has with Tane about him getting all upset and the last time they did a job like this, they lost their brother. But maybe that whole scene of them having like the heart to heart and was that the whole point of that was to kind of lament the fact that this is why they have to team up and why Ari's not gonna abandon Tane even though Ari's the one with the record who's already been to prison but anyway look they've sealed the deal on their brotherly love and I actually really respect what they did with Nick obviously he had a feeling that things where something was going on and things were bad, but he's a bit distracted with the whole Bella thing. But I'm glad that Tani and Ari were really honest with him, started treating him, finally started treating him like an adult. And he actually agrees to go to New Zealand just because he's been like shock because he's just not treated like a child. And then in an odd sense of maturity, Bella is like, yes, I think you should go. You need to be safe, which I just couldn't believe. I was like, oh, I thought this was going to turn into a whole big saga with Bella going off to Ryder being like where is he why is he leaving 
yeah, that was took me by surprise. But I think Bella is right. The Paradas would not be shipping off Nick if they weren't really scared. So I think it's kind of like, well, you just have to go. And I don't know if I've said this before, but I, what I really enjoy about Nick Parada's room is the massive road sign that says, do not enter. Like, stop asking to not be treated like a child when you've got like such a teenage theme to your bedroom. It's just, ugh, I hate it. It's just, I don't know how old he's meant to be. I assume it's like 2021. 20, <laughs> I just think it's so like, ooh, bad boy room. Do not enter. Nah. Anyway, poor Bella being left. She was so strong in front of Nick, but I think it all came crashing on top of her. And I really appreciated the Taylor Swift. I just thought that was very on brand, especially with Bonnie Vare, that song that they have. So just I do love a tactical song by the Home and Away team, I must say. <laughs> And speaking of Bella, so her poor whole world has been turned upside down. They've lost Willow. She can't even go in to visit Colby. And Dean is just not being a great support. Like, I know he has prison PTSD. He's kind of coming to terms with losing Ziggy, Jai, now Colby and now Willow. And Ziggy is just being the absolute worst like, can we not just give him a break? Nobody will do that. Mac's the only one who's doing it. And Ziggy keeps bailing on trying to comfort him. Look, I know she's in a weird position because she doesn't want to give him false hope. And that's fair enough. I don't know. I just kind of think she's being a bit of a coward about the whole thing. And in fairness to Dean, like, he needed to go and blow off some steam. He's lost so much. Like, in this kind of time of his life, he's allowed to spiral. And if he wants to have a rake of pints... He should, but this is where you really miss Willow because she'd be looking after him. And I know Alf and Ryder were doing great jobs, you know, making him drink water and eat some burgers. But it's just not the same. But then the drink driving, like, that was so bad. Oh, he's so stupid. And that's where I just really miss Willow because that would not have happened on her watch. And then, like, look, okay, just removing the whole stupidity of the, the drink driving... I'm sure, like, we've all turned up at X's doorsteps, like, a bit jarred and, you know, thinking that you're, you can just sort it all out. And it just got a bit sad when he was, like, begging for her, wanting, like, a dog and kids and just wanting to hold her. And I just don't think she did enough to try keep him there and taking the stance of, like, this is a bit inappropriate. I just don't like that because... No one can really see it from his side. Again, he's lost his girlfriend, his son and his two best friends. Why is that being forgotten? I feel like it's a bit of a twilight zone. Anyway, (laughs) luckily, he just kind of slowly falls asleep and slides into some grass and he isn't injured. And that was a big relief. But (laughs) I must say, it was fair play to him. That drunk acting was quite the endurance test. It kind of felt like he was drunk for about like very long, a whole episode and another half of one. Oh, yeah. That that is a hard thing to do, I think. But with Ziggy, like, I'm finding it hard to have a place for her. Like, she never talks about her parents anymore. Have you even told them that you've broken up? Dean runs Ben's boards. Ben is your dad. I just find Ziggy... I'm so sorry, but like... I just think I find Ziggy a bit of a pointless character now. Look, she's a bottler. She's not very nice to Dean when she should be. 
and she's very selfish. She doesn't really care how bad it looks when Tane's being her like bodyguard, almost like a dog. Like she's able to like control Tane with commands. And like the next day when Dean was really hungover, like don't be giving out to him. He's he's grieving. Well, it's not a death, but he's grieving the loss of all the core solid people in his life. And I just don't think now is the time to give him a hard time, especially when Ziggy was like saying to everybody else how how upset she was and how like how worried about him she was and upset. But then when it got face to face, she got really mean. And like I know she's saying stuff like, oh, I can't give him comfort. But that's no still no reason to be give him a hard time. And oh yeah, the only thing they should have been giving him a hard time about was the drink driving, but they didn't really focus on that. It was more like, oh, you, you're so embarrassing. You turned up to her door really drunk or like leave her alone. You're accosting her like he doesn't need embarrassment on top of everything else. Anyway, I really don't agree when she said, oh, you're emotionally blackmailing me because, you know, getting back with you is what I want. But it doesn't change what you did. He's not emotionally blackmailing you. That's that is not fair to say. <laughs> That's not what's happening. Okay, look, he was an accomplice in a murder and didn't tell you about it. We can't really change that. But he's been in love with you the whole time and just has kind of compartmentalised that bit. I think that use of the phrase emotional blackmail is so, so unfair. You know his feelings towards you were genuine and he just wants to move past this. And you know that he's a really good guy. But it's like she's using... She knows that that's not his intention. And I think that's really mean to say. So anyway, you know, when he plonks himself in the garage and he's like, I'm not leaving here until we sort things out. I really had hope then. And he's like, I'm going to fight. And then bloody Tane comes swooping in again. But I'm glad that Tane and Mac had that chat. And he finally gets some slack given to him. And like... They're all acting like they, like Tani and Ziggy are acting as if they've never made a mistake. Get off your high horses. And then it's good then that Dean and Tani have a bit of a a heart to heart. But Dean really gets into Tani's head. And he's like, your story is mine. She gives you a job. You try to fix each other. Then you end up in bed together. And then he's like, no, 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 that's not why I'm helping her. It's like, yeah, I used to tell myself the same. Tane is spooked and I'm here for it because that's exactly, is exactly what's happening. It's such a repeat of a storyline. I don't know why. Okay, obviously Tane is so handsome and gorgeous, but it's the exact same storyline. Why the hell is Ziggy interested in somebody who brought you into a world of crime (laughs) and nearly cost you your job, your freedom, It's a weird avenue to go down, Ziggy. It's really, really weird. And now what it's done is made Dean speed off to Mangrove River in a spiral we're all familiar with. But this time it's back to his hometown. So only bad things are afoot there, I think. Once again, very rogue of Dino. And meanwhile, Bella is left completely lonely, devastated, abandoned, feeling so lonely. And she's surrounded by all of Colby's stuff. And Dean is really not there for her. And this is where just Willow would be so helpful in bringing them all together. I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see, though, what'll happen to Dean in Mangrove River. I'd say there's going to be a fight or two. (laughs) 
And now, <laughs> this is really turning into such a staple feature. Love in the Ivy 50s. Oh, I'm so heartbroken over John. I'm so sad that that date didn't work out. He was so excited. Giddy little goose, quacking all around the bay. He was so gung-ho. It was palpable. And then to get stood up by Cynthia. And you could see his messages to her being like, oh, will I order? And then was like, oh, are you even coming? It was so sad. And then to be called by Marilyn. And like the big fuss he made in salt. And then having to say there was a business meeting. And ends up giving her the flowers. Oh, it's just so, so sad. I'm just, my heart just dropped for him. I was so upset. And then he says to Jasmine, oh, she spooked me. <laughs> it's like, no, oh, no. And of course she goes to the gossip gals in the diner and it's like, oh, this happened. So now everybody knows. And it's just, his tail was really between his legs. I was so upset. Out of anyone to be ghosted, it should not be John. He's just a lonely man looking for love. Hopefully, Cynthia, we won't hear from her again. And it'll be onward and upward. Uh, this little hiccup will shake off and get back out on the silver drimes. In other news in the over 50s, thankfully, I have enjoyed a welcome break from the Rue and Owen drama. Well, I love Rue, but I just can't stand Owen. And I'm so happy there's been no more mentions of him this week. Just nice and lovely relief. And I'm also so relieved that I ha- we haven't heard the Silver Dreams app noise that has been haunting me uh, for a while. But a bit of mystery surrounding Martha and her son. So she was so rattled by that letter that came in. Getting all snappy, crying in the diner. And like telling Irene about her son. Martha and Irene are a lot closer than I realised. Uh, but he does seem like trouble she hasn't seen him in years. Last time she saw him, she was calling the police. Doesn't sound great. I don't think she'd be acting rattled if she wasn't worried. And I don't understand why she can't just tell Alf. Like, these secrets always come out. Like, he's your husband. You should be telling him these things. And he already knows that he feels in the dark. And then she's extending her stay by another week. Then you're getting him really annoyed. And he knows. He's asking you, like, why don't you tell me? You can always tell me these things. So he's very intuitive. And then Rue's super intuitive because she cops on that Irene knows. So obviously Irene would never spill. But it'll just be interesting to see what happens there. Because uh, now looking back on it, they really were planting the seed of the like, oh, you expect me to be single for 30 years? Huh? No way. So, mm, yeah, I just wonder. Not off to the greatest start if we ever do meet this son. And and one final thing on the stewards. Ryder leaves town. What a fuss he made. Like, you're only going on a few-week internship. And he's like, no, no, no way am I going. No way will I, even though I've been talking about it for ages, about how I need to change and how I need to broaden my horizons. And then it comes right in his lap and he's like, no, I can't go. And if it's to do with Bella and Nick... They were so happy to up and leave and head to New Zealand. They decided to go in a flash. Didn't even consider that they'd be leaving you friendless. So I just don't understand. He was obviously just a bit scared to go, which is a bit cute. But anyway. Oh yeah, more trouble in paradise in the Morgan household this week. 
So Justin gets through his surgery, a worried Tory kind of admits that she, maybe she got a bit too cautious, even though I was very team Tory on this instance, because he has so much to lose and he's gone through a lot. Why couldn't we have waited the three days? I don't know. But anyway, they're all clucking around him. He's feeling his toes, wiggling away. He gets home. They do Grace's birthday presents and they eventually find Jasmine's bracelet and Tori quickly realises that she had absolutely no decency. (laughs) So then Tori confronts and apologises to Jasmine. They're all on tender hooks around her. Where was this on the birthday of Grace? They knew there was only seven people in attendance, four of whom are under the Morgan umbrella. There was three extra guests. So when this kind of arguisation with Christian, which actually kind of turns into a proper full-blown fight, and Tori kept shutting him down, like you have no idea what this about. And it becomes so much more about Tori and Christian than it does about Jasmine at all. And when Tori says stuff like, oh, we have to navigate this so carefully with Jasmine. But you didn't. You did not think about Jasmine on that birthday. You only thought about like playing happy families with Christian. Like there was no, there was absolutely no sensitivity. I just don't really agree with Tori in this situation because I think that fight just turned into about like who was right. Like a bit of an I told you so game. And I think all Christian wanted to do was just feel like he has a say in this and his opinion matters. And Tori was like, shut it down. No, no, no. But I can't believe that Jasmine wasn't more upset. I was expecting this, like, because she was upset at the time. She was upset so much so that she threw the uh, the bracelet in the bin. So I kind of did think we were on this ticking time bomb of old Jasmine. And not, well, just like, she's every right to be upset. And I was just surprised by the direction it took that she actually ended up just getting annoyed at everyone saying that she was fine. She was over it. But like, I didn't believe her. I'm team Irene on this. I was like, you are not fine. And I thought it was actually going to be way worse. I think with Jasmine's anger and frustration around people not trusting that she's okay is maybe putting that old storyline to bed. And her saying stuff like, Tori won't let me move on and why can't you see I've worked so hard to make myself better. So maybe that does mean that the baby robbing unhinged Jasmine is gone now. But I just, I didn't really follow that. I thought it was, Jasmine was just upset because Tori's being so insensitive about her relationship with Christian and eventual erasure of Robbo, which she's every right to be annoyed. Then it just turned out into something else. So I just didn't really get that direction. But who would have thought that Justin Morgan would be Team Jasmine against Tori? And then so, uh, ends up getting into this weird position, but he seemed very comfortable doing it, of being this bridge between Christian and Tori. So thank you, I guess. But I can't not mention. <laughs> While that fight was very important and look, Tori and Christian had to go over their first actual speed bump. Uh, <laughs> What was so distracting was, once again, Christian's clothes. So, in one instance, he was wearing some kind of, like, a jumper. He was sitting in the kitchen in the Morgan's house, I think, and he's wearing a jumper, and then it just zooms out into these knee-length denim shorts with, like, straggly bits of denim, maybe going for, like, a like cut-off hot-pan denim vibe. But to couple it with a jumper... It's once again doing this weird 
hot and cold vibe. Very peculiar. And then when Justin and Christian are having their bromance heart to heart, Christian is wearing an exceeding amount of layers, so many clothes. I believe it was like full-length pants, jumper, a denim jacket and one of those sheepskin jackets. It's Australia. Why? I don't... I don't get the... I, I just don't get his temperature control. Does he have any? And on we come to Taylor and Angelo. I was interested to see all this heart-to-heart she was having with Jasmine. They're going on runs. Jasmine is encouraging Taylor to stay in the bay. Angelo's being really nice. It seems like there's a bit of hope for them. And if they get back together... They totally deserve each other. I just don't think she should take him back. What he did was so bad. And I understand that she cheated on him. I do. But he used her to get ahead in a case. And as she said, Angelo checked out of that marriage long before she did. She was desperate to try and make it work. And he was like, oh, work, I'm like a robot. But what I didn't expect was Angelo to kind of go, well, I think there is hope for us. But you need to figure out how you feel about Colby. Bum, bum, bum. Taylor is Colby's first visitor. What? So uh, maybe she needs to see him to kind of, I don't know what hope you would have. Like how sad you fall in love with someone and then they end up getting sent to prison for 25 years. Like you were only really going out a few months. I know you loved each other, but like you can't really stay in a relationship. There's no hope. Then it just seems like, Angelo's second fiddle like if she picks Angelo you'd be like well you obviously aren't even if you are in love with Colby you can't be with him so you're just your second choice anyway because of the prison sentence I was so sad I was really sad to see Colby's nervous twitch in the prison like playground area I was just so I'm so worried about him he doesn't deserve to be there we kind of does obviously but not really So I wonder what is going to happen now next week when this Taylor Colby showdown. All right, well, that about wraps it up for me this week. If you like what you hear, I would love if you could subscribe, rate and or review if you have time, but zero pressure. If you want to get in touch, I am at Summerbase Podcast on Instagram. We can have fan chats there. Or you can email summerbasepodcast at gmail.com. G'day, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>